You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. All right. Good morning. Welcome to the morning update show. See, it's usually Trey Holiday that takes that part. I'm over here chilling. Trey Holiday off today. She'll be back tomorrow. And welcome to the morning update show. The final days of the morning update show, actually. And Friday will be our last day here. Morning update show. Monday, June 6th. Got a brand new show coming your way. It's called The Day with Trey. Um, Good morning. Oh, there it is, right there on the screen. My name is Omari Salisbury. Uh, we got a, we got an interesting show lined up for a year today. I'm someone told me I should do my wide shot. Go ahead, give them the wide. So I'm here. I'm here by myself today. But we um today is a real interesting day because you know today two years ago is the infamous pink umbrella, and you know we try to stay away for the most part from playing this footage, man, because it's like traumatizing. I think I actually I'm gonna step off set and uh catch up and send an email or something so but uh you know it can be triggering to people but it's important that we play this you know so people don't forget what occurred here in the city of seattle you know what i'm saying two years ago uh unprecedented police violence um done not only towards protesters but an entire neighborhood in capitol hill you see here in this video that it was a whole neighborhood that was tear gassed and some of everything else of course, there was a false narrative that was put out, and a lot of the mainstream media picked that up and amplified that false narrative. But um, yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna play this first so we can get through it and get to the rest of the show. But I think it's just important. Two years ago today, and what became to be known as the Western Barricade. We're right here at the East Precinct. It doesn't get any closer than this right now. That's the barricade. Again, if we see the bike officers here, if we see the bike officers tapped out, then people should be concerned. As long as the bike officers are in front, I think that we're okay. You know, they have a reinforcement behind them. But we've seen here the last four days, what we've seen the last four days is if they, and there it is, they're getting tapped out. They're getting tapped out right there. We have a definite change in posture. We have a definite change in posture right here at the East Precinct. And what, what I just told you right there is when it, when a bicycle officer gets tapped out by an officer with a gas mask, they've changed their, their posture and position here at the East Precinct. What we can expect next is tear gas. Why tear gas and possibly flashbangs? Why we say that is, and now they done brought out the troopers. And I'm going to tell you something, the troopers ain't got no problem firing. These guys, the troopers ain't got no issue letting loose. We saw the troopers on Saturday. Now this situation is escalating. If you know anybody, if you know Tag and share this stream, this is right now live at East Precinct. The officers have changed. The officers have changed their posture. This gentleman right here grabbed the barricade, and now you see they're reinforcing the barricade. We have not heard an 
audible anything from an authority here. The umbrellas are out. We're getting pushed back. Don't spray that shit. Don't spray it. Don't spray it. Okay, the umbrellas are here. You see people put out the umbrellas to block the spray. To block the spray. It's rowdy right here. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me bring it down. Let's 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 just try to de-escalate. Let's let's try to de-escalate this. Let's just try to bring this down, guys. You know, it's a lot of worse shit than going to jail. Like a flashbang shrapnel or something. Let's bring this down. Let's bring this shit down. So we see him grabbing an umbrella. There's the spray. There's the spray. There's the spray. And it's on now. It's on. East Precinct. They're losing control. State police are trying to open the barricade. They're putting the pepper spray in the air. Share this stream. Share this stream. Tag it. Share this stream. Share the stream! This goddamn it, they got me, you motherfuckers! I'ma eat this shit though! There it is! There it is! It's a crush! It's a crush! I got pepper spray all over me! We're not they're not moving! I got sprayed! But shit, I've been through worse! Barricade is up! Barricade is up! The officers are coming with the spray! And this is exactly what's happened here! Get the fuck out of my way! Let's see here. This is what's going on. I only got one eye. These are flashbangs. This is flashbangs. They're deploying flash. Hey, bring this shit down. Bring it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. This is share this stream. God damn it. It's the tear gas. It's the fucking tear gas. Police, stop. Holy shit! Tear gas is everywhere. Holy shit! Oh shit! Let 
Yo, so that was June 1st, uh, 2020, was the first day of the Western Barricade uh, because the police line was right there on 11th, uh, 11th and Pine, and it was on the western edge of the East Precinct, the Western Barricade right there. And what it turned out to be is like, man, seven long days and nights. Uh, I mean, it was unprecedented police violence, I mean, tear gas, tear gas, tear gas, rubber bullets, projectiles, all kinds of stuff, you know what I'm saying? For seven days, it was there, and people endured. And and, and actually, that act right there of where the police, so the thing is, is people were protesting police, and some people, the actions of the Seattle police, but people were protesting police and policing in America, right? Seattle Police Department, on several times, peaceful protesters tried to walk past the precinct, right? They would not allow people to walk past the precinct, which is real interesting because Chief Bess and Mayor Durkin at the time got on the news and was like, don't hold our police force uh, uh, accountable for what another police agency in Minneapolis did, right? And so they were like, don't hold SPD accountable for George Floyd. But at the same time, the Seattle Police Department would not let protesters walk past the East Precinct because they wanted to compare the Seattle protesters to protesters who were in Minneapolis where a precinct burned down. So it's real interesting. I want you to trust them, but they don't trust you. Um, but, you know, what I was saying is the protest was mainly against policing. And when the Seattle Police Department responded there with that overwhelming force, chemical weapons and some of everything else, the protest now came against the Seattle police. And if they thought that people were going to run away, well, that happened was that people got more entrenched there and there the Western Barricade from June 1st to June 8th. And on June 8th, the Seattle Police Department abandoned their precinct. You know, so that's a whole nother story in itself right there. Um, two years in, right, two years into this, you know, it was just this year. You guys don't remember back in January where after 14 months of investigation and waiting where the truth came out that actually a few days after that, June 8th, seven days from now, is when the the SPD, they uh, engaged in that hoax, the Proud Boy hoax, where they got on the radio and said that armed Proud Boys were on their way up to Capitol Hill and some everything else. I know, like, being out there and, you know, all the interviews that we did and the footage and everything else, you know, this is... um. What we witnessed there through through the whole summer from from the police into CHOP and afterwards and everything else, man, we were heavy. And I know that, like, we're not the only ones to feel the weight of that. Um, there's a lot of people. There's from, from protesters to residents, everything else. I just got an email from some people. They they got a lawsuit against the city. The city did. I mean, it's a lot of lawsuits against the city. I, probably enough to bankrupt the city, all the lawsuits that are that are against them on and all these different things that were there. But, you know, I mean, looking back and especially on, on that day right there, I mean, it was totally, it was totally unexpected. I mean, you know, even though you hear me there saying like, well, if these guys get tapped out and the guys come in with the tear gas and it'll be whatever, but man, it was so overwhelming over. Then the police, they went and they said, protesters started a riot 
And then they said that uh, I mean it was bad. It was wild. Like S SPD was bad. It was off the chain. And everybody was just soaking it up. The majority of the mainstream media there at that time in 2020, and some might say today, man, they was just repeating all the talking points of the Seattle Police Department. And so the SPD would put out a press release and everybody would be sitting there repeating the SPD. And I'm just like, man, where, where's the who, what, when, where, why, how? Right. And and that also drove a big d division between what well, was at the time, the mainstream media here and the people who were actually in the streets, because people saw that every time the police or the mayor put out their talking points, it was just being amplified and it wasn't really representative of what was really occurring out there. And so. Today, like looking looking back at that, as um, one, it's good to be able to sit here and not, you know, get all emotional. Uh, and it's taken a long time to kind of get to that point um, to be able to 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 sit here. And I mean, believe me, I'm not trying to look at none of this other footage though. Like I'm I'm good, <laughs> but uh, but to be able to be here in in this moment and and be able to reflect on that and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because how fast this news cycle, you know, this turns here. Um, and fortunately or unfortunately for me and my neighborhood in the central district of Seattle and beyond, is it like, man, we ain't got no choice. Our black lives will always matter. It's, it's nice, more than a sign. It's more than a slogan. It's more than, you know, someone painting their end zone or saying this and that. It's like the value of our lives is something that we we where we are reinforcing every day. And what we saw in Seattle is at one point, though, you know what I'm saying? There was there was a groundswell of people who believed that in the value of black lives, you know, um, and we, we see the winds, they blow and they change and some of everything else. And it's inter interesting to see is like, man, who still keeps those those core values? You know, who does that? I mean, there's still it's crazy. It's still hella unanswered questions. All these guys try to do all these reviews and talking, whatever. It's still hella unanswered questions about the Seattle protests and SPD's role and stuff. We still don't know what happened on June 8th in the EOC and the Emergency Operations Center, because apparently there is no investigative body in this city. They can go and tell us what occurred there. OPA said that they can't do it. And, of course, police ain't going to investigate themselves. So it's not important enough to the mayor or to the city council for any of them to try to figure out what happened there that day. And so, again, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of open-end questions. But I would just say this, and we're going to move on. So we got a little bit more to show. Um, to everybody that was out there, to everybody that was in the streets, to everybody that showed up, especially that, man, that Western Barricade, man, we got our asses whooped every day out there. And I'm talking about media. Like, we was sitting over there, media press. I was sitting there with, with the Associated Press, with, with the New York Times, with the TV, and we got our ass whooped out there for a whole week by SPD. You know what I'm saying? Where, I mean, that's a whole nother footage thing that we ain't going to go there, where you see us getting targeted, targeted, throwing flash grenades at our heads. You know what I'm saying? Clearly, we're like, we're pressed. Flashbang after flashbang. We're getting targeted with the rubber bullets and everything else. Like, man, the media got their ass whooped out there. 
This is what I'm telling you. You know what I'm saying? And so when people are sitting there thinking, it's like, man, I mean, it was wild. But I would just say this, and the people that really know me, you've been following Converge, if I could sit here two years later and can, can crack a smile and everything else, you know, that this man is taking a lot of like healing and everything else to even get to this point. Um, and, you know, I definitely didn't want to be a downer today. It's my last few days here uh, on the morning update show. And by the way, I'm not like going somewhere, but disappearing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going behind the camera. You know, I might go to, to back to the Middle East with Salman for, for, for a few weeks and we'll go on vacation or something. But, uh, but you know, I'm around. I'm not, I'm not leaving you guys. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? But um, it's been a process to, to, to get to this point, you know what I'm saying, to be able to have this, this kind of conversation. There's so many people who's, who were impacted. Um, and it's crazy because even the people who was impacted, the city stopped caring about them too. And so a lot of people are like, oh, it's pro hell yeah, protesters impacted residents. You know how many people I know that is like that, that lived over there or lived at 12th Avenue Arts or this and that and was impacted, man. They had nothing to do with the protest, but they was impacted. All kinds of people impacted, y'all. Um, and you know, people just carry it with them in, in all kinds of different ways. I saw Big Dan, Big Dan Gregory. You know what I'm saying? Real life superhero. Big Dan, you guys might remember, there was a car that drove into the crowd of protesters and he reached in there to stop the car and Big Dan was shot. I saw Big Dan call me like two days ago. He called me over there to uh, to Cal Anderson Park and was just in a high level of frustration because he was like, man, oh, I would do it all again, but would, would anybody like care? You know, what, what he's saying is that what he's seen in the last two years since he was shot out there as he was like and up there on Capitol Hill. And that's that's where he'd be at his stomping grounds. Cal Anderson Park. Big Dan was like, yo, man. This racism just don't stop. I mean, he he it was just such a high level of frustration. He was like, oh, it just don't stop. It's so much. It's so much performative action in our city around real issues of, of, of race and equity and so much in soundbite. It's like people outsourced actual change to like PR and communications companies or something, man, and not real change agents. <laughs> you feel me? And so it always looks good and it sounds good and everything else. Oh man, these guys are all for change, but man, that's the whole point. They put slick campaigns together, but to actually change and change people's hearts and everything else. And if you guys know big Dan, man, big Dan, 100, you know what I'm saying? Big Dan Gregory at 100 and to see big Dan that agitated and irritated. And he was like, bro, I come out here and I'm, I volunteer twice a week up here at the park and I DJ and I, I do basketball with the kids and I do this and I stay committed. And he just talked about like how there at Cal Anderson Park, he just be bumping into like racist white folk, man, which is wild for him. Like he was literally shot right there across the street from Cal Anderson Park. Um, you know, and the fact that he actually be up there at Cal Anderson, just, you know what I'm saying? A few beats. For where he was shot is is like it's amazing in itself. So, anyways, it was crazy because people have been asking me like, "What do I think has changed in the last two years?" 
man, y'all need to go ask Big Dan. Because Big Ben, Big Dan gave it up. You know what I'm saying? He put himself in harm's way to save others and got shot doing it. That's what people need to ask. What's different in the last two years? You might be surprised, but some of us might not. Anyways, that's that part right there. Like I said, I just thought that it was important two years down the road that people don't forget, you know, because hanging out around here in Seattle and listening to some of these narratives now and the people who are rewriting history, it's easy for you to forget what occurred there at the Western Barricade between June 1st and June 8th. We're going to take a quick break right now, and we're going to go into the vault and see what we can pull out for you. You're watching the Morning Update show. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. Everyone's invited to the prom. From the creators of the Book of Mormon, Elf, and the Drowsy Chaperone, the prom is a musical comedy about big Broadway stars on a mission to change the world and the love they discover that unites them all. The prom makes you believe in musical comedy again. So full of happiness that you think your heart is about to burst. Everyone deserves a chance to celebrate. On sale now. Tickets at fifthavenue.org. All right, welcome back to the Morning Update show. Yo, that was a nice show last night, right, Summer? Yeah. No food, though, huh? Proof, man. You got to stop playing. You got, you got, you were bringing in a chef every week. You know what I'm saying? That's why I be leaving the set early now. I ain't, I ain't see no plates or no food. I'm like, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> but good, man. Big shout out to Proof. Uh, the show's doing really well. You catch that every Tuesday at 8 30. Something dope. And then not this week, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday is, man, the second episode of We Live in Color with Deontay Dampier. And, uh, man, it's it's going to be a big show. I believe that the guest he's going to have is Taking Black Pride. And so that's next Wednesday at 8.30. And you, I mean, at 8 o'clock. Sorry about that. 8 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. And of course, tonight at 7 o'clock, Seattle News, Views, and Brews with Brian Callanan. So we're going to the vault here. We only got a few days left of the morning update show. And then, of course, next week, it'll be the day with Trey. We'll try, try on a holiday. But uh, I thought I'd share with you guys, especially since we just played this this footage, this protest footage. I thought that I would share with you guys um, a segment that was it was. It's pretty special that um, when the Museum of History and Industry, when they put Converge in the museum, this was part of the stand up Seattle Democracy Project. And they had the cameras rolling over there and a discussion with uh, me and TK and Stephanie Johnson Tolliver and uh, Leonard Garfield from Mohai. We all came together over there for a discussion. And um most important thing, my takeaway on this, the people who want change, don't take your foot off the gas. America is a work in progress. And if we don't work, it won't progress. We need to understand, be very clear, that a democracy only works when we work. Everybody has a job to do 
where all stakeholders in this society, our share is the vote. And we need to take our role as shareholders in this country very seriously. I think this is an exhibit that really hits people at a personal level. What I learned from this exhibit, and I had to learn it, it wasn't intuitive to me, is that democracy is an unfinished project. Now is the time, I think, for us to remind ourselves that this is a project, we are a part of it, and its success ultimately depends on us. And it requires all of us to be a part of it. It has been, at best, a partial success, and it has a whole lot of failures that we can correct, that we must correct. And to me, the exhibit was revelatory of that. My entire life, I've always believed that actions speak louder than words. We gotta walk the walk now. Now it's time to go walk. Bro, you talked enough, now let's go walk it. What if the city stood up like this for itself? How much change could we affect here? How much change can we get done here if we come out and stand up like this for where we live? Democracy is everything to me. I think that the United States has that open system. I mean, I've visited other countries. I've, I've been outside of the United States and I've seen it um, in other ways and forms. And still here in the United States, we have uh, probably one of the best forms of democracy, though it's, it's really hard for us sometimes, and particularly now. Um, being in a museum and a repository of history I think that it's important that people in Seattle realize that the Seattle protest is a chapter in a very long book here in Seattle and in the state of Washington for people standing up. And we're living this chapter right now. So we feel it, it's, it's emotional, um, it's intense. You know, I'm still living with injuries from the protest. You can tell me that you believe in me and that you here for my life, show me. Show me. What we did was we would march every single day to different parts of Seattle, go to council members' houses, talking to them, getting them to engage with the community that is most impacted by systematic racism. Democracy is best when we challenge it. When it's under attack, it actually gets stronger. All the protests we saw this summer, all the protests that you read about in this exhibit that go back hundreds of years, they have made democracy live up to its promise. Imperfectly, of course, but there would be no progress without those challenges. We can't let people forget what happened in Seattle. And I hope that it emboldens those out there younger than us to be prepared to write that next chapter. Because this story, this saga called Democracy is continuously being written daily. And I hope that what our city went through last year will inspire people to pick up that pen and continue to write the next chapter of democracy in our city. We can, can look at action from sitting down and writing a letter, um, talking to your neighbor, to being out on the street, you know, with the protest sign, pushing back. Um, so there are all sorts of ways to uh, join this, this democracy and this effort. Being able to have that many dialogues with that many council members on the city level, on the county level, it was like, yo, you really can do this. We really can do this. Like, this is, this is a real thing that can happen. Somebody has to stand up for what we're living in. We have the power to change this city, and all it takes is somebody inspiring somebody else to do it. And this is who I gotta be. Whether I like it or not, you know, this is who I have to be in order to ensure that my brothers grow up and die from natural causes, not the police. We, the people, the citizen stakeholders of this city, this county, 
in this state. We have to reclaim our power. We have to reclaim our authority. And our chapter is long. Our book is long. Our history for standing up is long. Our history of getting beat down is long. But you know what? In the fight for democracy is very much like that phoenix that continues to rise from the ashes. And if there's, there's anything that I want people to take away is study this museum, study these movements, study things that occurred, study advances, and then see what happened when people took their foot off the gas. You see what happens when people take their foot off the gas. It's real. We see it here, we see it all over the place. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of stuff, man. It's a lifetime struggle. I see now our elders were like, man, I should be living a best life. Our elders are still out there, man, on the front line, pushing, pushing. They realize that it's like, man, some of this stuff it take a lifetime and another lifetime and another lifetime to, to really see change through. So, um, man, yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite. That's my mama favorite, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my mom, that's my mom. My mom was like, "You need to send that one everywhere. People need to see how you like." Boom, just you know what I'm saying. Um, and big shout out to the Museum of History and Industry, Mohai. Hey man, they've been they've been wonderful partners here. Put the wide back up. We'll give them a shout out. So this wall, our our iconic interview wall here. Um, the majority of these photos here on this wall from Al, is Al in this photo? Can we see? There's Al there. So Al Smith, who, um, the late Al Smith, who photographed the Central District in the 1940s to the 1960s. This whole collection, uh, the majority of all the pictures here was in the Al Smith collection at Mohai at the Museum of History and Industry. And when I first approached Stephanie Johnson Tolliver, with the idea of like, yo, we want to make this wall iconic with pictures of our past. She was like, yo, talk to Mohai. And, uh, you know, when I reached out to Mohai, big shout out to Isabel and Wendy and Leonard Garfield. And it was like less than a day conversation. You know what I'm saying? They was like, yo, we're with it. And that's why Mohai, you can't see the logos here on the wall, on the bottom of the wall, but that's why Mohai has the very first logo on our wall here on the bottom, followed next by the Black Heritage Society of Washington State, because these guys came through big on this wall, on the design, on licensing the photos and some of everything else. So big shout out to them. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're shifting gears. It's all about support black business. We're going to learn about Taswira. You're watching the Morning Update Show. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday, And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Basa. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. When COVID first hit, I was very afraid. There was so much things that I had to keep inside because I didn't know where to place my feelings. 
Most of my information for code is from my own research. I'm a doctor in educational leadership. And when the FDA approved Pfizer, it helped me realize that the vaccination is healthy. We don't want to be left behind because we're not taking the vaccine, but we want to get as much information as possible so that we are putting ourselves in better hands and not at great risk. All right. Welcome back to the morning update show and shifting gears. So yesterday we talked about inside, which owned by a black woman, Sierra Jones, right there on fourth Avenue. And it's all in between thing union and university. And it's all about self care, taking care of yourself, health and wellness, and everything else. Today we're checking in with Tuswira and this is Avery Barnes and 22 years old, by the way, 22 years old, has a shop right there in Soto, right next to to Lumen Field, and it's the nation's first African streetwear gallery. Jambo, my name is Avery Barnes, and I am the founder and creative director of Tazwira. Welcome to the first African streetwear gallery in the nation. Everything in the store here is made in Africa. Nowhere else is made directly in Africa. Everything is is completely from the plant, from the ground. All of our spices are grown in Kenya. So all of our designs are actually made by two women, a part of our Women's Empowerment Center, and that was Concilia, our sewing instructor in Mombasa, as well as Winfred, who is the designer. Being able to put a name behind our, our, our products is, is really important. A percentage of all of our proceeds goes back into February Women's Empowerment Center in Mombasa. We teach sewing classes, uh, basket weaving, beading, crocheting, hair braiding. And this directly impacts these communities in support of our educational centers, being able to keep the lights on, being able to offer free Wi-Fi and a safe workspace for women. I had traveled back with a suitcase full of some designs that Winfred had made. That is when I started being a part of and showing these pieces and some fashion shows here. We won Best Designer for Seattle African Fashion Week in 2021. And that's when I really started to like see the support from the Seattle community. And I said, wow, I need to figure out how to make this work. <laughs> the storefronts application with Shun Pike and Seattle Restored is extremely important to the black community in Seattle. Tazra had one of the top applications and we were the first to be awarded. And then I was told that we had just a few weeks to get up and running. And so that day I booked a ticket to Kenya to curate the space. It takes about two months to get a shipment. And so uh, I had no other choice. Being able to uh, market and, and share these products in a different part of the world for these women, it's so important to encourage other businesses to source in Africa. We need to empower ourselves as yeah. women. Yeah. Yeah. Like through this business, 
All right. Big shout out to Swira. We're gonna have to get over there. And so you know what? It's just it's just me, you, and Vaughn in the studio this morning and Saman. We have to give Vaughn a hand. That was that was one of the first productions that Vaughn intern Vaughn. Intern Vaughn right there. Look at him. Oh, he's so embarrassed. I wish we had the Vaughn cam in here. Yes. No. And he also worked on Inside, which we aired yesterday. Those were the first productions. You know, it's converged. You hit the ground running here if you're an intern. The first productions, you know what I'm saying? Carlos Imani took Vaughn under his shoulder uh, and, 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 uh, and took him over there, man. And those two, and they shot both of those in the same day. They shot inside and just wearing the same day. Big up, Vaughn. We see you, man. You know what I'm saying? I see you, big O. You know what I'm saying? All right, good stuff, man. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break right here. We got an update from Brian Callanan on what we're gonna see tonight on Seattle News Views and Bruce, and then we're gonna get out of here. You're watching the morning update show. All right, welcome back to the morning update show. Usually I'm joined here today. This is what I'm saying. Everybody ran away. I'm usually joined by right now by like Brian Callanan of the Seattle channel, and he tells us what we can expect on Seattle News Views and Bruce. Tonight is 7 p.m. He wasn't able to make it here to the studio, but he did record some highlights. Hey there. I'm so sorry I couldn't join you in person today, but I did want to get people caught up on what's happening in the city of Seattle. Some different city headlines to look at here. I'm Brian Callanan, and I'm with David Croman tonight from the Seattle Times. He is working on a very interesting story, and you'll hear about it on the show. Make sure you stick around towards the end. Should you paint your own crosswalk in your own neighborhood if you're really fed up with traffic issues? It happened in North Seattle. David's got the story on that. Make sure you check that out this evening. But we have a lot of things that are going on on Seattle News, Views and Brews, including what Mayor Harold just rolled out yesterday, and that's this new dashboard for homelessness. So this is going to be something that's online where people can interact with it and actually check out where there might be camps, encampments that are unauthorized around the city. Also, They'll be looking at where there might be different public safety issues near those camps, such as break-ins, such as fires, things of this nature. So the mayor is very interested in getting this information out there. We're trying to look at the story behind the story. What happens to this data once it comes in? Will this be a situation where it'll help guide where the city sends its resources? Will this be a situation where the different homeless outreach providers are there saying, wait a minute, we need some more services over here. How are they going to compete for those different dollars that are out there? How are they going to be moving people into shelter spaces, which we don't have enough of? So that's definitely something where there is a story behind the story. This whole situation with the homeless dashboard is really just beginning. We're also talking about something that the city has been working on for the past several weeks. And I've been talking about it on the show, this pay up legislation guaranteed minimum wages for gig workers in the city of Seattle. Now, this is something the council has been working on for more than a year. There are 40,000 plus gig workers in the city of Seattle who are going to benefit from this. What is this going to do what, do to our economy? What is it going to do to the prices you have to pay for these different uh, applications when you try to order food from DoorDash, etc.? It's something that we're talking about on the show tonight and actually something that's going to be playing out again over the next several weeks and months as this legislation goes into effect. I also wanted to make sure that we talked about what was happening in the future here because the city of Seattle, the city council in particular, during the month of June is going to be talking about the alignment of Sound Transit 3. Where are we going to put light rail? There's been some pushback in the Chinatown ID neighborhood. There's been a lot of concern in West Seattle too and Ballard in terms of where these tracks are all actually going to go. So the council over the next several weeks, really in the month of June, is going to start wrestling with this issue. 
trying to figure out where these tracks should go, making a recommendation to Sound Transit. So that's something in the future we're going to be keeping an eye on. But make sure you check out everything that we have for you tonight on Seattle News, Views, and Brews. That's tonight at 7 on Converge. And Omari, I got to say, I can't believe it's your last morning update show. I so appreciate the work that you do. And I'll see you around. Thanks. Man, thank you, Brian. And you know what? A, what a great partnership this has been. And I'm, excuse me. And I'm sure to continue here in the morning show. Of course, Seattle News, Views, and Brews isn't going anywhere. And you can find that tonight at uh, 7 p.m. Always informative, Brian Callen. And thank you, Brian, for all your work, your help, your support. We're gonna get out of here a little early today. I'll tell you guys the next two days, though, and of course Thursday and then Friday, the last morning update show. We got a lot of stuff that's coming your way and looking forward to it. Man, I, again, it's from a space of humility and from a space of thanks that I say to you guys, man, thank you so much for your continued support of Converge. And like, man, some of y'all, some of y'all been, <laughs> some of y'all been with us for a long time, even before the morning update show. Um, some of y'all joined us during the morning update show early on. We were reporting about COVID, and some of y'all caught up with us during the protest. But uh, like I said yesterday with, with Trey Holiday, over 400 episodes on a show that we anticipated doing. So, you know, it's easy to talk somebody into, like, you know, 60 episodes. Hey, man, you know, three months, we'll be good. COVID will be over, everything else. Guys are like, yeah, okay, we could do that. But hundreds and hundreds of episodes of this of this show right here, and um, man, it's it's definitely been such uh, an amazing ride and journey. And I'll be honest with you, I really couldn't have done all this without y'all. You know, I mean, it's it's you guys that that really it is the it's the commitment. I know. Um, and always trying to improve things. And guys that have seen our show number one to right now, you've seen the constant improvement. That's because we appreciate you. You know, and it's always trying to figure out how can we do something better? How can we make it better? How can we make the the the, the video quality better? How can we make even our commercials better? Some of you guys back in the day, you remember listening to commercial break? Uh, audio would be up here, the down here, then all over the place and everything. I mean, it's some small things, but that's that comes from care. Because, you know, it's so much care that goes into you guys and how you view this and your viewing experience and everything else. And, you know, I'm just the appreciation, just the sincere appreciation that I have for you. I mean, sometimes I'm just awestruck. And it's it's real. So on that note, you know, like I said, Thursday and then Friday. And, of course, you know, you still got to tune in next Monday. Next Monday we start with what the day with Trey. But this has been a real special run that we've had together. And I'm so thankful for you all. Uh, we're going to leave you with some hope from Shana Shepard. And on that note, go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. And until tomorrow, at 11 a.m. Peace. What do I see through?
friends of fear, a thousand little steps to go. What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know. I've been running on the edge of a sundial, sleeping in the shadow. I've been begging you to see me, then hiding beyond the unreachable. Looking now left on a right hand turn, just trying to make a deal. The lazy shoes and love is a love that turn. That's the kind of food that heals. I've been searching for the end of an era, waiting to be ready. The world is bigger than a moment. Be steady, that's how you can feel it's real. But I feel naked. produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.